But this morning we start our series on the Holy Spirit, and this message is really kind of a foundation message. I've got to kind of lay a foundation for you. It's not really the kind of message I really like doing all the time, because I like doing all the fun ones, yeah? And so this one, but I've got to lay a foundation for you so you understand that over the next three weeks it makes sense. Is that okay with you? And so the first thing that I want to teach you this morning about the Holy Spirit, in case you've ever wondered around, like they call him the Holy Spirit, some people call him the Holy Ghost, some people call him the Spirit of God, it's all those things. Um, but the first thing that you need to understand is that he is a person. He's a living person. He's not a mist, he's not a dust, he's not smoke from the smoke machine. He is a living person and he is God. And and I don't have time to go into all the scriptures about it, but let me give you one that shows you this. In Acts 5, 1-4, it says, But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Everyone say Holy Spirit. And keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. So here we say, he says to them, first of all, that you've filled your heart with a lie from, you know, you've kept this from the Holy Spirit. So first of all, he says that you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on and says, you have not lied to man, but you've lied to God. So the Apostle Paul is showing us here that the Holy Spirit and God are the same thing. All right? It's really important that you understand that because God is not schizophrenic. He doesn't have multiple personalities. God is God. He just has different ways that he operates, just like you sometimes are a sister, and sometimes you're a daughter, and sometimes you're a mother. You're not three different things. You're the same thing, but you just function in three different roles. And so it's really important to understand that the Holy Spirit is God. And in the Scriptures, in the Bible, from Genesis through to Malachi in the Old Testament, the emphasis all the way through the Old Testament is actually about God the Father. It's really about Father God, what he does and who he is and Abraham the father of faith and all that sort of stuff. It's all about God the Father. But then Jesus rocks up on the scene and all the way through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the emphasis is on Jesus and what Jesus did and what Jesus accomplished and, and Jesus stamps his mark on history of mankind right there in those four books. So the Old Testament is all about the Father the Gospels is all about Jesus, the Son. And then Jesus makes this really interesting statement in John 16, verse 7, where he says, but here's the truth. This is him talking to his disciples and his followers. He says, here's the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not be released to you. But after I depart, I will send him to you. I think one of the mistakes that we make as Christians or followers of Jesus, and if you're not, that's okay, you're still welcome here, and when we can talk about that afterwards or not, it's up to you. Um, but the mistake that we make as followers of Jesus is that we follow Jesus and forget that Jesus said, no, no, you don't understand, it's better that I go. In other words, it's better that I go and sit at the right hand of my Father in heaven so that the Holy Spirit will come. And I think sometimes we all do this, including myself, we spend so much time talking to Jesus or talking to Father that we actually forget the person that was sent to be with us was the Holy Spirit. And we can ignore him quite easily. 
And, and the thing that I find quite often sometimes in my prayer life is that I'm praying to God or I'm praying to Jesus or the Father. And, and quite often I, I have this moment where it's like, um, you're praying here, but the person that's going to help you is right there. You know, it's like, I don't know about you guys, but for some reason, sometimes in my family, um, when the kids need something in their, in their bedroom and I go in there as father, I get told to get out because they need their mother. Now, I don't know why I constantly get kicked out of their bedrooms because I just go in there to show them some love and affection and a few punches in the ribs and, you know, just a bit of verbal jabbing and encouragement and they don't seem to like it. They always want their their mother all the time. I don't know why. Does anybody else have that problem? Dads have that problem? It's like, you know, you need your dads more. Dads will toughen you up, sort you out. They give better kisses. Beats wet, sloppy ones. Uh, my children are, are fearful. When I walk into their bedroom, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, what do you want? And sometimes I think when it comes to our lives, we're so busy calling for mum that we forget. We're so busy calling for Jesus that we forget the Holy Spirit is right there with us. And so I want to encourage you, you need to understand, uh, God really spoke this to me while I was... Uh, on the Gold Coast on holiday at Christmas time, he said, you've got to understand that, because I've had this whole thing about pressure I was putting on myself as pastor in the church and and stuff, and and I felt like God said to me, you know, you're not irreplaceable, which is, I know it doesn't sound encouraging, but it was encouraging, because it, I need to understand that in doing what I do here, it's actually him, not me, and whether it's me here or whether it's Pete up here, God can still do what he wants to do. But the interesting thing was, I never saw this before. He goes, even Jesus was replaceable. Because Jesus says here, it's to your advantage that I go. In fact, if I stay here, it's worse for you. It's better that I go, because if the Holy Spirit comes, it's better for you. And so it's really something I want you to understand this morning, is that I'm not saying don't talk to Father or whatever, but just remember, you have the Holy Spirit with you. He walks alongside you, and we'll look at that a little bit more as well. And so Jesus said to them, man, it's better that I go because the Holy Spirit will come. And then the Holy Spirit comes and acts. And it says this in chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. It says, on the day of Pentecost was being fulfilled, all of the disciples were gathered into one place, all in one room. And suddenly they heard a sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. And the roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all of all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes and it separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each of them and they were all filled, everyone say filled, and equipped, not just filled, and equipped with the Holy Spirit and they were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. And so we understand that from Genesis to Malachi, it's all about the Father. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is all about Jesus. But from this day onwards in the book of Acts until now, it's the emphasis is all about the Holy Spirit. It's all about what He does and who He is and what He does for us, through us, and around us. And if the emphasis is on the Holy Spirit from that day till now, the emphasis in our lives should be about the Holy Spirit also. It should be about building a relationship with him. It's strange to me that 
this emphasis was prophesied by Joel, the prophet Joel, about 800 years earlier than it happened, or 400 years earlier than it happened, where he said, in the last days I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And we are living in those days. We're in the days where the Spirit has been poured out upon us. And so the emphasis in our time is actually the Holy Spirit. But the incredible thing, though, about us as human beings and sometimes as Christians and and all that sort of stuff is that we tend to reject when God turns up. Jesus was rejected and crucified on the cross when God turned up. And the Holy Spirit, to some degree, gets ignored or rejected because there's too many questions. And it's an interesting thing to me that God would be rejected by his own people when he wants to turn up and do something in our worlds. And because we don't understand some things about the Holy Spirit, we tend to reject the Holy Spirit because Jesus was crucified in the climate of rejection. And so the Holy Spirit is often excluded in our lives and church life. And when God gets excluded from something, the purposes of God start to die. They start to die in our lives, they start to die in our church, in our community, in our nation. The force behind any opposition to the Holy Spirit is always the devil. Always the devil. Because he realizes that the power lies in the Holy Spirit. That he's the one that is functioning and operating and working in us and through us. So he knows if he can shut him down, he can shut the power of the church down. And when Jesus was here, the religious people of his day attributed the work of the Holy Spirit to the devil. They said that quite often. He must be of the devil for him to be able to heal the sick and do this and do that. Empowerment. And so, because they didn't understand. They don't understand about going on. So people tend to oppose, and, and it includes some of us, we tend to oppose the working of the Holy Spirit for a number of reasons. And I'm just going to quickly give you three reasons why I think that we oppose the work of the Holy Spirit sometimes. And the first reason is, is that we fear losing control. The reality is, is that all of us are control freaks. Don't, don't sit there. You are a control freak. You like to be in control of your life. Yes? That's why you have a TV remote. And nobody else in the house has the TV remote because you want to be in control of what you do watch and what you don't watch. Downtown Abbey is not a TV program. It's rubbish. Come on. I need some men to support me here. If you have an option between Downtown Abbey or the Warriors, NRL, it should be NRL every time of the day, yes? Or, or I'll get some help from Ken over here. If it's Downtown Abbey or the V8 races, which one do you choose? <laughs> He's struggling. He's struggling. We are all control freaks. At the end of the day, we like to be in control of our lives. None of you are going to get up tomorrow morning and go, oh, I wonder how I'm going to get to work. I wonder what I'm going to do at work. I wonder what I'm going to have for breakfast. You, you control every aspect of your life. And the thing about the Holy Spirit is that he comes along and he says, hey, let me take the wheel. Let me be in control. You can be the passenger and I'll drive this ship. And we, we fear losing control because we think something bad's going to happen to us. But can I just say this? Remember this. God is good. And his plans for you are for good. So therefore, you don't need to be in control. You can trust him. In fact, actually, Galatians 5.23, when it lists the fruit of the Spirit, actually says that the Holy Spirit gives us self-control. 
So the very thing that you are holding on to is the very thing you need to let go of so you can actually get the very thing that you are after. And then you won't be able to, then you won't have to say what the Apostle Paul said where he says the things I don't want to do I do do and the things I do want to do I don't do because you'll have the Holy Spirit working in your life and you'll have self-control so you do the things you want to do and you don't do the things that you don't want to do. Second reason why we get a little bit wound up about this is because we fear the unknown. What we can't see, we fear. Every single one of us, when we start to have a maybe an anxiety attack or a fearful thing, is because we're imagining what's going to happen. Hasn't happened yet. Yes? You texted your wife at 3 o'clock and she texted you back and when you read the text, you, I think she might be upset with me. I'm not too sure. So let me, on the drive home and for the rest of the day, process what she actually meant. I won't ring her and ask her. I'll work it out for myself because I'm smart like that. And so by the time I got home, I'm halfway through the argument and I walk through the door and I'm about to tell her my side of the story. And it wasn't that at all. You just interpreted it incorrectly or vice versa. Yes? And so... We fear the unknown because we go to places that we should never go to and we make up stuff in our heads that have never, never even happened. And so we fear what's, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to do. You don't know what he's going to do, so don't fear what he's going to do because you don't know what he's going to do. So just relax and trust him because remember God is good. Third thing is, is that we're turned against the Holy Spirit by religious error. A lot of people have been taught incorrect biblical things about the Holy Spirit. For example, things like that miracles don't happen today. That was the day of the book of Acts. That was the day of the apostles. Or that speaking in tongues is demonic. Can I just say this very, very quickly? Neither of those statements are supported in any way scripturally. And we live our life based on what the scripture teaches us, not on the opinions of Google. Don't Google Seriously, don't Google. If you are confused about something or you have questions about something, come and talk to us. Don't Google because any moron can put their thoughts on Google. Yeah? Any moron. I mean, the media for starters. So <laughs> some of you are just looking at me this morning. They have no scripture. Or, or we're also told that now we have the Bible, we don't need the Holy Spirit. Or medicines have replaced healing miracles. And I'm not saying that medicine is bad. Medicine has done an amazing things. But who, who do you think the medical people get the creative ideas from of the drugs and the surgeries and the different things that save lives? It comes from the Father because the Father is the good Father and he's the one that gives good gifts to each and every one of us. So the surgeon has the gift of surgery because God gave him a gift of surgery. Medicine isn't bad. If you're on medicines, don't throw them all out the window. You do what your doctor says. Medicines are helpful. Medicines are a way that God has used to heal. But there are some things that medicine can't heal, but God can. Are you with me this morning? Or, or else people are like demonized people in the Bible are actually just people suffering with mental illness. And that could be true too, to a degree. But the reality is when you understand the fact that the spirit realm is more real than this natural realm because this natural realm was created out of the spiritual realm, then you understand that there is the demonic that lives out there. There is 
I'm sorry, but for someone to, to go into a school and shoot and kill 15, 20 people, that's not mental illness. There is something, there may be mental illness on them or around them or in their thinking, but there is something demonic behind that. To take a life requires, I think, demonic influence. It's just not normal. It's not what we do. Our natural, first natural thing as human beings is to save a life, not to take a life. And so we now have modern ways of coping with these problems, so therefore we don't need the Holy Spirit. But can I say this, that in spite of all this incredible technology and the amazing advancements of the medical world, we still can't heal hundreds of diseases or solve most problems. And the reason is this, is that we need the power of the Holy Spirit today just as much as Jesus needed it in his day, if not greater in this day, to solve the world's dilemmas and problems. That's why he sent him. The other thinking that puts us off about the Holy Spirit is some of the weird things that you've seen so-called in the name of the Holy Spirit. Like in America, you can't go around uh, telling people that, you know, that you're spirit-filled because they associate spirit-filled people with the people that do the snake stuff. And then they drink snake poison. That's, that's not Holy Spirit. That's just weird. That's just flipping weird. Like, I, who, how many people know that we live in a great nation that does not have any snakes? Why would you want to go and touch them? I think I'll drink their poison. It's, it's weird stuff like that. And so we think, oh, man, I don't want to do that because those people are really weird. But it's like anything. Some people take things to the extreme in anything they like. There are some people that are normal sports fans, and then there are people that go and paint their face and go ballistic. Abnormal sports fans, normal sports fans. People always take things to extreme. It doesn't mean don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Or the other issue is, is pride is another problem. And so we shut out our recognition of a deep need for the Holy Spirit that actually we all need to accomplish the works of God in our lives. We just think we don't need him. We, we don't need to do that. But I really believe this, that if you're going to be able to move in the Holy Spirit, if you're going to be able to have the fullness of God manifest himself in your life and in your world and what you're doing, with the Spirit of God, we have to develop a closeness with Him. And the thing about developing a closeness with the Holy Spirit is that it actually takes time. It's not just one day, it's a lifestyle. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it says, Paul says this, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. In other words, he's saying, let the fellowship, the communion, the getting together, the relationship that you're building be with the Holy Spirit. And you're like, how do I do that? Well, you just talk to him. Well, but people think I'm weird if I'm talking to nothing. No, no, you need to understand you're talking to a person, the Holy Spirit. He is everywhere and everywhere, anywhere. And you can speak to him at any time, just like you speak to anybody. The Holy Spirit is our greatest friend for living here on earth. And not only does he help us here on earth, but he also prepares us for our eternity. And failing to fellowship and commune with him reduces our effectiveness enormously. Without the Holy Spirit, it's impossible, I believe. I doubt that you can fulfill God's plan or God's will for your life without the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I'm going to give you 11 things 
that he does, just really, really fast. The first thing is, is he was sent to teach us about God. Second thing is he guides us. Third thing is he prays through us, for us, and others. The fourth thing is he empowers us with gifts and supernatural signs for effective ministry. Number five, he changes us into the image of Jesus. Number six, he never leaves us. Number seven, he lives with us, strengthening us with the inner power we need. Number eight, he illuminates the word of God to us so that we can understand it and receive it. Number nine, he gives visions. Number 10, he anoints us for our tasks. And number 11, he sends us on missions for God. All those things are all the way through scripture of all these things that he does for us. And so if we're going to live this life successfully, if we're going to fulfill the will of God for our lives and for this community, we need him because without him, all these things can't happen. I need him to guide me. I need him to teach me. I need him to illuminate the word of God to me. I need him to empower me on the inside, and you need him to too. Because without him, you can't do any of these things. And it's so important that we build this relationship with him. Jesus told the disciples to wait until they were clothed with that power from heaven. In other words, don't don't even try to do ministry or talk to anyone or pray for anyone until you've had this encounter with the Holy Spirit, until you have had the encounter with him. Without this power, we cannot faithfully represent God. And remember, Jesus performed no miracles until he came out of the desert with the Holy Spirit upon him. The church did not form and grow until the Holy Spirit fell on them. Without the Holy Spirit, it's impossible to achieve and do the things that God has called us to do. Gideon in Judges 6.34 became a leader after the Holy Spirit came upon him because he was hiding in the winepress, scared. Jephthah delivered Israel after the Spirit closed him in power in Judges 11.29, and it certainly wasn't because he was the right man for the job, because he was the son of a prostitute, rejected and kicked out of his home, where he ended up starting up a desert gang and being the leader of a desert gang. He didn't kind of fit all the patterns of what we think, but when the Spirit of God came upon him, he achieved everything that God needed him to achieve. Samson in Judges 11, 13, 25 punished the Philistines time and time again when the Spirit of God came upon him. Othniel became a leader that delivered Israel when the Spirit came upon him in Judges 3.10. And then we have Moses, and we have Daniel, and we have the Israel's elders, and we have Isaiah, and Ezekiel, and Micah, and everybody else in the Bible. All incredible things that happened when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And so I say all that to say this, empowerment with the Holy Spirit is not an option for you as a Christian. It is an imperative for all of us that we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit so that we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what it is that God has called us to do. And maybe what God has called you to do is to be a businessman. You will never be the success of the businessman that God has called you to be until you're clothed with his power and you've got him guiding you and teaching you and helping you because he has all wisdom and he'll take you in the way that then you'll be successful. Not that you won't have any success, you just won't be as successful. You can go to university and study and you may get a degree, but with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you'll do above and beyond that. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that in Ephesians 3.20. 
My God does exceedingly abundantly more than I could have asked, think, or believe him. Why? According to his power, that is the Holy Spirit, that's at work within me. Why? Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and abides in you. Who raised Christ from the dead? The Holy Spirit raised Christ from the dead. When it came upon him in power. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? We can't do this without him. We need him. We need his empowerment. Sharing about Jesus with others is powerless without the Holy Spirit. of Friend, what we're building in our worlds and in our families and, and in the church, what we're building is a spiritual kingdom. Jesus said, this, my kingdom, is not of this world. This is not your home. Heaven is your home. But you can't build a spiritual kingdom and you can't fight spiritual wars without the Spirit of God. You can't fight spiritual things with natural things. The Bible even says this, that our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not people, but against principalities and powers. What is he saying? He's saying this, it's not people that are the problem, it's the spirits behind them that are the problem. Murder isn't a, is a problem in our nation. It's a spirit of murder that operates through them that is the problem in our nation. How do you conquer a spirit of murder? Not through physical things, but through spiritual warfare. You can't do that if you don't have the Holy Spirit. Without the necessary spiritual power, we can't make that happen. And the thing is, is that in Ephesians 5.8, it says, be filled with the Spirit. In other words, being filled with the Spirit, being empowered by the Spirit, is a biblical mandate. It's not optional. It's what we should have. And I don't know about you, but this is not something to be afraid of, but it's something to embrace because, because man, if I can walk into my job in the power of the Spirit, if I can walk into that meeting where we've got to come up with a solution for this problem for a client and I've got the Holy Spirit with me, speaking to me, giving me wisdom, then I can go into that meeting with confidence because I know God's going to speak to me. And then my boss is going to go like, you're amazing. Where did that come from? You know, I had two wheat picks this morning. Next minute you're getting promoted. Why? Because you're allowing your business. The Holy Spirit is not a byproduct of your business. He's your partner in business. And when you partner with him, he'll take you to places you never dreamed you could go to. Why? So you can help the poor. You can help the widows. You can help the people. I met a, a man last, well, I've met him before, but I stayed when I went to San Diego last year to a conference, I stayed with a family called the Higginbottoms, Colin and Melissa Higginbottom. And some of you would have seen some of the photos I took. It looked like I was staying at a paradise resort. It was a beautiful home, amazing home, worth millions of dollars. And he's, like, younger than me. He's about 42, I think he is. And... Uh, his business was going really, really well. He's doing a, doing a turnover of about $35 million a year, and they're living pretty comfortably. And he went to his pastor and said to him, you know what, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, 
I think I'll retire. I'm 35 and, you know, that was my plan was to become a millionaire and retire at 35. So I'm going to retire at 35 and play a bit of golf and just enjoy my life. And the pastor said to him, what a waste. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, I reckon what you should do is you should take your company from 30 million to 250 million. He said, because I know you've got a heart for widows because your sister's husband died after four years. Imagine what you could do to help widows if instead of 30 million you're producing 150 million. Imagine what you could do for the homeless if your turnover was 150 million, not 30 million. And so this guy went home and he thought about it and prayed and stuff and he felt God challenge him and Last year, I think he turned over $280 million. And he gave $8 million away. Two. $1 million he gave to a place where, where a teenage mums go. Gave them a million dollars to help them with the teenage mums. No strings attached. He went out with all his employees in the company one day and they brought hamburgers and blankets and other stuff and went out to all the homeless people and gave them hamburgers and blankets and shut down the business for a day to go and serve the homeless in the community and paid for Imagine what you can do. And I said to him, so what's the difference between 30 million and 280 million? He goes, the Holy Spirit is the difference. Because everything he's told me to do, I've done. And now this is where we are. I want to encourage you, if you've got dreams in your heart of, of helping people, of seeing a community transformed, it breaks my heart every time I drive past the two homeless people that I see in our community. If only we had the finances to build like a, a halfway house on our property that we could accommodate these people and help them get back on their feet and teach them how to put a CV together and how to do an interview and, and, all, and get them jobs and, and help. Trans if only we could do that, and the only thing that stops that is some of you who God has given brilliant ideas, but you're just so afraid to step out because you're not sure what's going to happen. Friend, when you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, you can go from a failure to a success very, very quickly. Peter, before the day of Pentecost, denied Christ three times. But after the day of Pentecost, stood up, preached the gospel and led 3,000 people to Christ in one message and started the church as we know it today. When you're empowered by the Spirit, it can take you from places you are to where you never dreamed you could be. As long as you listen to Him, He will take you where you need to go, beyond your wildest dreams. But you have to want to be empowered and that requires you to give up control. It requires you to take some risks because you don't know what's going to happen. And it requires you to ignore some of the religious error that maybe you've heard. God is not trying to hurt us. God wants to empower us so we can see lives changed. What would you do to see domestic violence cease in our community? Maybe it's time to seek his face. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and get alongside us and lead us so that we can be the answer that the world needs us to be.
Why don't you stand to your feet this morning, please? I want everyone in this place just to close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know everybody here this morning. And not everybody knows me here this morning, but God knows you. The Bible says this, that while you were still in your mother's womb, He knew you and He had a plan for your life. And that plan needs two things. It needs, one, you to confess that Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and two, that the Holy Spirit would come upon you in power. The great thing about God is that He decided to send His Son to die on the cross for you and I so that we don't have to worry, what are we going to do with this? junk we've got in our lives it's really really simple he's already paid the price for your junk and all he wants you to do is give it to him and this morning i don't know where you are but maybe this morning you're like man i, I want to get rid of this junk i want to get rid of this sin in my life i want to give it to jesus i want to let him take it away i want to start to follow god with everything that i've got in my heart i want him to lead me i i've tried so many times my way and it's ended up nowhere but i I want to come and I'm going to trust Jesus to guide me into this life that I believe that he has planned for me. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus. Or maybe you've walked away from him and you know it's time to get back. Then I want to give you an opportunity in just a moment. I'm going to ask you to put up your hand and when you put it up, when I see it, I ask you to put it down and then we're just going to pray a prayer. And so I don't want you to worry about anything. Nobody's looking. Everyone's got their eye closed. But if you're here this morning and you're like, man, I want to give my life to Jesus this morning or I want to get myself right with him this morning I've been away from him and I want to come back if that's you this morning across this place while everyone's got their eyes closed why don't you just lift up your hand right now thank you anybody else this morning thank you anybody else this morning thank you awesome hey let's all pray together not after me, but just to give. If you're a Christian, let's pray for those that have lifted their hands. We're going to pray for them right now. Father, I thank you, God, that their hands have gone up and they've acknowledged that they need you as their Lord and Savior. I thank you, Father, that you have already forgiven us when you died on the cross for our sins. And so, Father, I pray that they'll receive your forgiveness right now, that you would come by your Holy Spirit power and cleanse them of all the stuff that they need to get rid of, that they would sense your love right now, your forgiveness right now, your mercy right now, and your grace right now. God, I thank you that in that moment that they've made a decision, they are now born again, saved believers in Jesus. They no longer need to uh, suffer in pain or in sin or the stuff that's going on, but God, you have set them free. And so I pray, God, right now, fill them with your grace.